this week, Gabby leaves Chow's again, USA Championships, and a cry for help. Elite Sports Band is a cutting-edge compression back warmer that can protect your most valued asset, your back. I'm Allison Taylor on behalf of Elite Sports Band. Visit EliteSportsBand.com. We've got your back. This is episode 104 for July 23rd, 2014. I'm Jessica from Masters Gymnastics. I'm Uncle Tim from Uncle Tim Talks Men's Gym. And I'm Elizabeth Grimsley. You can find me on Twitter at All Flipped Out. This is the best gymnastics podcast ever in the history of summers, because it's summertime right now. It's making me happy bringing you all the news from around the gym internet. So first, you guys, we have a very serious cry for help. I got a message from a listener was like, I, you know, I would, I would uh, donate or whatever it costs to get these done faster, but you know, it's really expensive to hire, um, like a full time, someone who does this like professionally. It's like a dollar a minute. So yeah, our show's pretty long and that would cost a lot, a lot of money. So, um, what I would, what our cry for help is, and especially for the deaf population that enjoys this show, but has to wait a long time for the transcripts. I would love to ask any of you out there who have a passion for typing and a passion for gymnastics and for gymcastic, if you would like to volunteer to be on our transcription team and have your name mentioned at the end of the show, or you can pick a, a pen name, a pseudonym to use at the end of the show, we would love, love, love to have you on our transcription team, and we would love to um, just be able to serve this population more and get these done faster for them. So email me at gymcastic at gmail.com if you want to be on the transcription team and I'll hook you up with our transcription team captain and it's incredibly fun. Another way to contribute to the gym internet. Let's discuss USA Championships. Scott Bregman was on last week to tell us about how you guys could watch this. Lots of people watched and tweeted us their favorite moments. And we have Elizabeth Grimsley here this week. We're so excited. She was at the USA Championships, also known as the Everything But Artistic Gymnastics Championships. Rhythmic, trampoline, acro, mini tramp, mini tramp, double mini. That's what it's called. Um, all those sports there in one place, power tumbling. So... I want to ask you first, Elizabeth, what do you think, I mean, the format of this meet is kind of cool because everything's put together. And I think like there were no breaks. It was one sport, then another sport. What do you think of the format, the commentary, the overall, how did the meet work and what did you think of it? I mean, personally, I really liked it. I think it was cool to see all of the lesser known disciplines all in one place. I know a lot of the athletes enjoyed watching the other events that they didn't really get to see that often. Um, I mean, one of the problems was that the JO competition was at the same time. So the people that came to watch would only come for the discipline they were interested in and then they would leave. So I had a little bit of a spectator problem with the stands not being filled, but overall I think it was a, a well-run meet and a, a great idea to have all three together. During the night sessions, they had the senior elites. So you had trampoline and rhythmic kind of switching back and forth for the first two rotations. And then 
for the third rotation, it was only acro and got all of the acro competitors out of the way because there are only like seven pairs and groups competing. There weren't very many senior elites for that. And then the final two rotations were trampoline and rhythmic alternating again. Double mini and tumbling were held at the convention center, which kind of sucked for those athletes because they didn't get to be in the big arena in front of everyone. But there just was enough space to fit all of that equipment in there. So for the future, they're looking... Yeah, for the future, they're looking for a place that will fit all of the equipment in there. Ooh, that's good to hear. Wait, what happened with Elise Ray? Did anybody know who she was? Or were they just like, um, you know, Arthur Davis, woo! And then Elise Ray, everyone's like, what sport is she from? Yeah, there are huge cheers for Arthur Davis and the Rhythmic Girl and the trampoline national team member and everything. And then they were like... 2000 bronze medalist at the Olympics, Elise Ray. And I mean, there was polite applause, but I don't think the people really knew they, who she was. So I kind of felt bad for her. <laughs> I was going to say, I was listening at home and Elise Ray totally carried that broadcast. Peter Dodd, I don't even know how to put it. Like, how in high school, I had this chemistry teacher and my lab mate lit his sweater on fire with a Bunsen burner. And our chem teacher was like... <laughs> Oh, Andy, your sweater's on fire and just completely <laughs> calm. Just like, and that was Peter Dodd. If the stadium were on fire, he'd get over the loudspeaker and say, guys, I think we need to evacuate. Just like very <laughs> monotone. And Elise was just like on it, fiery. She had all the NCAA experience. And then there's Peter, just very, very calm. <laughs> I was like, wow, she's really good at this. And, um, oh, and then when they showed Arthur Davis, who for everybody home and doesn't know him, like, oh my God, he's like a bazillion time, um, world champ. And he does like tons of choreography. You should totally follow him on Instagram. You get little snippets of his choreography. I love it. I'm just like, can we please move him to artistic directly to the ranch and get some performance quality out of everyone? Like, oh, he draws you in. He's his choreography is so good. But anyway, he's a giant. I had no idea. I always thought he just looked that big, like like seven feet tall or whatever he is and like built like a Greek god because he was next to this like diminutive woman but he's like oh my how how tall do you think he is was he did he dwarf everyone in that place he was definitely over six feet and more than the average six feet height yeah he's very very tall and not like the lanky tall either he's big (laughs) yeah I mean, I don't know if you saw a close-up. He literally was ripping through his shirt, which I appreciated very (laughs) much. (laughs) Okay, so on to the important things. Let's talk about results. There were some first-timers. There were some repeats. Um, Who were the surprises this year? Well, uh, I mean, to me, even though Jeff Gluckstein for the senior trampoline men won last year, I'd say he's always a sleeper. You hear about Stephen Gluckstein, you hear about Logan Dooley, you, I mean, recently we've been hearing about Neil Galati, but Jeff has just been consistent, flying under the radar. He does his thing, he does his routines, he gets down, and he wins. Uh, so, I mean, he's just been solid. Um, and then Charlotte Drury won her first senior Yay! trampoline title. So yes. excited for her. <laughs> um, And she pretty much was in a league of her own. A lot of the other girls didn't really have the difficulty to 
stay up with her. Shaylee Donovan, who's also her synchro partner, was in second. And they were kind of really the, the two that pushed themselves out uh, in front of the rest. They also, they both won the synchro title as well. Uh, Dakota Ern- Ernest, she messed up a little bit, so she finished third. But she's also one of those big names that people hear about all the time. Um, for Rhythmic, Rebecca Sarita won last year and she won again this year. She tied with Jazzy Kerber, who got silver <gasps> last year. A tie yes. in Rhythmic? The first tie ever. They were actually tied after the third event as well. So they kept the tie. They both got 16.7s in the final event to, That's to finish it off. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I suspect a conspiracy because it's Rhythmic. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the world bronze medalists from last week in Acro, Kylie Boynton and Ryan Ward, took that title as well. So it, it was a lot of back-to-back champions. And then on the double mini and tumbling side, that was at the convention center. So not as peop- many people got to watch that. But uh, you have uh, Yulia Stankovic-Brown, who's, I mean, she's been around forever. She's 38 years old, so... She's got a lot of experience under her belt. She won her second title in a row. And then uh, on tumbling for the men, Austin Nacy won. He was a world competitor last year. He won gold in the team competition. Uh, I think it was for double mini that they won that. But he won the tumbling title. And that was the first title in eight years, I think, that someone knew had won since Callan Ludvinson uh, had won those all those past years, but since he's hurt, they needed to have a new champion. So it was interesting watching. Oh wait, did everybody hear that? Thirty-eight years old is the tumbling women's champion. Yes, thirty-eight. That's right. Mm-hmm. This is the sport for you. You know who should really do the sport? I think is uh, Alyssa Pritchett. She's one of the gymnasts that's was college gymnast going for elite right now. She would totally be a national champion. If she did the sport, like right now, she'd be going to world, she could go to world cups, like, I totally want her to switch into this. And you know who else should do it is Kat from Arkansas. Oh, Oh, Grable. 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 Yes, she should totally do it too, because um, she would also be winning all the things. So yeah, Yeah, anyway. uh, Alyssa Pritchett was actually there coaching her gymnast at the junior competition the junior olympic competition because she she coaches trampoline kids i think um so i saw her there halfway there right now she should just move (laughs) over yes okay have either of you tried have either of you tried double mini (laughs) kind of i feel like i would kill myself (laughs) like do you mean like actually doing flips or just like run and jump and then see if you can jump on the next part of the trampoline (laughs) i guess that counts i haven't even tried that i feel like can we agree that they're kind of the craziest people on earth in the world of sports yeah Yeah, how do you even train for that you have to (laughs) i mean you can't go into the pit because then your timing's off and you won't land on the trampoline again so i mean you just you just chuck it it's terrifying. They're seriously, it's like a whole different world that it's like, and not even like, I don't even want to compare it to X Games. So it's even scarier than that because I don't know why I think it's scarier than that, but I do <laughs> because I've flipped, but I haven't ridden a motorcycle, but I would like to. Um, but you, I mean, you run as fast as you can and then you do that stuff. It's not like you, you know, control stays low to the ground as you can. It's like ballistic. 
That's the part that's so crazy. I told you guys about that thing I went to in Vancouver, that World Cup, where the double mini guy felt they had it on the vault runway um, on the podium, and the guy fell off the podium. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, was, I can see that happening. It was almost like a Daniel Purvis onto the judges, but no one was there. So he just was like... <laughs> And then he was gone into darkness. You couldn't see anything. I think it's the worst idea to put something like that on a podium, considering the podium adds more bounce and they're already getting extreme height in the air. That just sounds like it would end in disaster. Which it did. Exactly. Wise words, (laughs) Elizabeth. Okay. So we, you know, love our wipeouts and our crashes. And, you know, because gymnastics is the best sport for wipeouts and crashes. Um, But, you know, trampoline has a really good way to deal with this. How can you describe for people how trampoline and double mini, the kind of the safety precautions that they have and how it's different from gymnastics? Yeah. So with trampoline, there's four spotters. There's one kind of on each corner uh, and they have to be there. It's not like, oh, I think I'll be fine. You don't have to stand there. They have to be there. Um, and then one of the, and then there's one on the side and their job is to hold this little four inch mat so that if the gymnast goes off to the side or it looks like he's about to fly off the trampoline, you just slide the mat in and it stops the bounce. So you don't have a stick it moment and where the coach just like flings off onto the concrete. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hurt your weenus? <laughs> <laughs> you guys, this is totally my kind of sport where you don't, it's not like you ask the coach to stand there. They have to stand there at all times because I would all be the one like, can you just stand there? I don't need a spot. Can you just stand there? But in this sport, it's required. I mean, huh, what could be better? I'd love it. Yeah. So, I mean, at one point, one of the kids was way, way off and one of the spotters, I mean, you have to be on. He caught this kid in midair so he wouldn't go crashing to the to the ground. And what happened with the guy? Uh, Spencer Reed. Yes, thank you. What happened with him? I mean, it wasn't even his optional routine when he was doing all the crazy difficult skills. He was doing his compulsory routine. I think he had just done like a double back or something. And he must have just been way off to the side. And he jumped where the springs were. And his foot went through that area and in between the springs. So once he pulled it out, they had to replace it. And I don't know if it was just a precautionary thing or if he had messed up one of the springs or something. Seriously, it looked like like from the video, which you guys can see on our website because we always put the playlists up. You, It looks like he just <laughs> goes through the bottom of the trampoline. Like, I didn't realize it was the springs until sort of afterwards. I mean, I actually thought his foot went through the bottom. <laughs> I was like, how is that possible? Oh, my God. It's so funny. But I seriously, like, I'm so glad he's OK. Like, they have very good safety precautions, I feel like, in this sport. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that more people don't get hurt with some of the crashes that you see. But because if you're sitting high enough up, you can see exactly where they're about to land and when they're going to go awry. But it still scares you because, I mean, it's crazy. Because they're like 100 feet in the air. (laughs) Oh, my God. So speaking of 100 feet in the air, which routines or which skills totally blew your mind this weekend? I'd say most of the routines that just made my jaw drop were on double mini. Uh, Austin White did a triple pike half out onto the first part of the double mini and then a triple pike half or something like that off. It was just insane. I mean, you don't see that ever in 
artistic gymnastics. It's just, I mean, crazy. And then Austin Nacy did basically the same thing. He, I mean, he might have done like an Arabian something with triples and halves out, and and it's actually hard to tell what what they all do because they twist so fast and they flip so fast. But and he, Austin Nacy stuck his. So I mean, it was just insane. You have to do all those flips and then you stick it. I mean, it's crazy. The amount of sticking was so impressive to me. Yeah, and, and I have to mention for tumbling, Jarrett Jensen, it was on the first day of prelims, so there's no video of, of it, but he did all these, like, I think he did round up back handspring, double layout, and then like five whips, and then he did a double twisting, double back, and he just stuck it, and the crowd went wild. That was one of the times when the crowd was like really into it, and I think he even was surprised that he had stuck that pass. <laughs> Did he do a huge smile? I was so impressed with how the boys smile. Like, it's NCAA girls' smiles at the end of their routines. Uh, I was just like, wow, you guys are so smiley compared to the men who are, at least in NCAA men's, it's like, Hulk smash (laughs) at the end. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you could tell that these guys were just here to have fun. I mean, obviously, they wanted to win. They wanted to make the national team, but... It was way more relaxed than an artistic meet. There, you could tell that the pressure wasn't as high. Uh, I mean, they were just joking around. They were having fun. People wolf whistled to Drew Collins, and he wolf whistled back. And <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was it was just a fun atmosphere. Speaking of whistling, why? What's with the women? People are running down their ridiculously long runway to then hurl themselves into double layout and then another double layout and then like a triple backflip on in the tumbling sport. They there's like all this whistling going on in the middle, like when they're hurling. Like what? Who's whistling? What's happening? Okay, so this is Alex Rankert, and uh, so at first I thought it was the equipment or something when he was running. It was squeaking. But I realized that it's him when he runs. I think it's the way he holds his mouth and when he breathes because he's running so fast, it just comes out as a whistle. (laughs) That's the weirdest thing. (laughs) But I don't really know. I mean, maybe it's a thing that he does to calm him down or I I don't even know. (laughs) People have, which I can totally understand because as everyone knows, I'm a total scaredy cat of everything. People have like the most elaborate preparations before they start their tumbling run like like I have never seen before like nothing compares to this can you describe Christy Lowell's preparation before she runs hers is definitely the most unusual that I've seen she does she puts her foot out like a normal person would do preparing for vault or double mini or whatever and then she scoots back and forth like three different times And then she prepares again, and then she goes. And I mean, I guess it works because she's a world champion in the event, but it's definitely a little bit strange. It's like how the triple jump people do all do their stuff in regular track and field combined with a nervous level five combined with like the regular like, oh, my God, this sport is insane, like pumping yourself up look on her face. I I loved it. I loved it. Because I'm like, yes, it's it's that hard. That's how you have to get ready right there. That's how scary this sport is. (laughs) So I always brag about how um, these sports are so great for adults, because you can be you can have a full time job and do one of these sports, you can have like 
kids and do any of these sports. You can be a regular adult and do these sports. They are, and as Charlotte Drury said when she was on the show, there is life after artistic gymnastics, and all of these sports represent all the other great sports that you can compete in. Can you tell us about some of the older competitors that you saw there? Yeah, so Yulia Stankovic-Brown is 38 years old. She's in Tusevitna territory. She's been going forever. I think she's Russian-born, but she moved to the U.S., she got married like five, six years ago, uh, and she's still going in the tumbling world. And it's not like she's doing easy skills. She's doing full-in double layouts. She's doing double pikes and other fulls in, full-ins. And, I mean, it's not hard, easy stuff that she's doing. And how about just the different body shapes and sizes in these sports? Like, I feel like you can have, you know, Beyonce hips and like Nicki Minaj legs and do these sports. There isn't, there weren't, like in gymnastics, I feel like when you get to elite gymnastics, like everyone kind of has at least the body shape where they have like zero hips. They're just like from shoulders to hips is like the same width. And here there was so much variety. Yeah. In rhythmic, especially the stereotype is stick skinny. Russian girl or Russian born who's able to bend her back and touch the back of her legs. And, but there was one girl, Hannah Walter, who was normal size. I mean, next to a, a stick skinny girl, she would look bigger, but I mean, she's skinnier than me. She's normal. And she, I mean, she's obviously good. She's made it to nationals. She's an elite rhythmic gymnast. But she used that to her advantage. She did more dynamic skills. She did like straddle jumps and those like butterfly kick things in her routines rather than all of the flexibility moves. And I think she finished 12th, so it obviously paid off. There was another girl, too, I was watching who had like totally buff legs. Like I know there it's kind of like the acrobatic ballet put together and ballet totally has this type but it was just great to see body types outside of what you see at the world championships and olympics and that they're being successful and they're doing great and just to see that variety i thought it was it was really encouraging so if you're someone out there who's like thinks you don't have the right body type for gymnastics watch usa championships and you will see every kind of type that there is it was it was very inspiring i thought to watch so very important question as we get deeper into rhythmic gymnastics territory. Rebecca Sarita used Happy by Leona Lewis for her ribbon routine. It's very dramatic. So what do you guys think? Because this has lyrics in it. So what do you guys think of using top 40 music with lyrics for rhythmic routines? I don't know. I feel like... Rhythmic is the summer Olympic version of figure skating. And so I just expect like big dramatic music from like operas from like Carmina Burana or something. And I don't know. I, I personally, it just doesn't really fit my image of rhythmic. And so it seems a little weird for me. I liked Rebecca's routine. I mean, some of the other ones, like someone used some Jennifer Lopez song. I can't remember what it was, but that just didn't fit. But with something like this, it was nice. It seemed to go with her routine. Um, it was her ribbon routine. I think it fit well. At first, 
I didn't realize that that was the song she was using because they started to play the music before she was ready. So they had to start it over. And I was like, oh, that's embarrassing. They used that pop music for her, her ribbon routine. <laughs> and then they played it again and she started going. And I was like, oh, that's her actual music. But I mean, I heard it like four different times while I was there. So it, it grew on me. So I'm, I'm totally torn about this. On the one hand, I'm like, no, tradition should never change it. But on the other hand, I think it can work because there were definitely moments in this where she was dancing to the lyrics, not the music. And it was really beautiful and it went so well and it was really powerful. Uh, and other times I feel like it could be a disaster, like it could go so badly. So I just feel like as long as Arthur Davis is in charge, it would be fine. So, and I know this is rhythmic, but he should choreograph for everything. I've already decided. So there's that. Now, let's talk about fashion. Oh, okay. So we talked a little bit about the acro last week with the fashion and how the U.S. also rocks in pink and the, the men wear their, they're not tights. They're not like the men's tights. They're like pants. They're like boot cut pants. They don't have the stirrups. So let's be clear. So, um... Catherine Gonzalez in Rhythmic, she wore a kind of like Leo skirt, like, I don't know what these are called, but you know, it's like a leotard with a skirt, like a skate. Yeah, a lot of the Rhythmic girls have it. Um, I think Jazzy Kerber, one of hers was like a sheer skirt on it, so you could see through. It was weird, but I kind of liked it. I don't yeah, know. Like, it was intriguing. <laughs> right? And this and this girl, Catherine Gonzalez, like her skirt was something I've never seen. Like normally they're very flat and they don't have any like lift in them. They're not like ballet tutu looking at all. But this one, um, it was totally different. It's I don't know. Like, I don't have the It kinda reminded me of a grass skirt. Yes. Thank you. The thing that came to mind with me, because it looked like it moved in separate pieces, but also all at once. So it kind of reminded me, like, her music and her skirt reminded me of, um, oh, I had her name right before. Uncle Tim, you're going to have to help me with this. It, oh, Josephine Baker. And how she used to perform with, like, the banana skirt. That's what it reminded me. Um, she had that sort of, like, jungly music. And I actually really liked it. At first, I was like, this looks weird. But then it totally added something where normally I feel like the, the outfits are so over the top that they take away. Um, I didn't necessarily like the colors of her outfit. I was more focused on the colors. So the top was this kind of pastel hot pink and the bottom was this kind of neon sea film green and it just reminded me of the snap bracelets the slap pardon slap bracelets that i had as a child in the late 80s early 90s whenever we had those and i was just kind of like eh, i'm not really a fan of these colors but i mean it's rhythmic. It always looks like a box, box of Crayola crayons has thrown up over the, on the girls. <laughs> so I really don't know what to say. I mean, what, what got me was that the pink underneath her skirt did not match the pink on the top part of her leotard. It was like an ombre fade of a leotard, but then with the skirt, it looked like it was a separate piece. And um, when you were talking about like kind of watermelon effect... I felt like that did have, it does have the watermelon colors, like from the yeah. rind to the inside. I had, <laughs> I had a delicious watermelon yesterday. She so. just needed some seeds. <laughs> well, complete. I mean, with all the rhinestones, you could just consider those the seeds. <laughs> there you go. 
So, Uncle Tim, there is a picture that you have been obsessing over on the USA Gymnastics Facebook page. Everyone should go check out the great, they put up so many pictures. So, describe this for us and tell us why you're obsessed with it. Because you're obsessed with acro now, like, out of control. I am. I'm obsessed with all the acro photos on the USA Gym Facebook page. But this one in particular is of Diana Tate Vosian and Donna Vosian and Alexandria Aloman. And I don't know who is who in this photo, but it doesn't really matter. The base is basically doing a lunge and she has her arms stretched over her head and she's holding up a girl in a handstand doing a straddle split. Um, that's kind of normal. But, and it was like, oh, whatever, whatever. And then I look and there's another girl on the back of the base's legs so the legs stretch behind her and she is doing a one-armed handstand on this girl's calf so this girl is holding up two gymnasts one in her hands and one on her calf and i'm like how can you even do that like what if you get like an itch or something like (laughs) what are you gonna do i I think i think the girl's other hand is on the shoulder of the base to kind of hold her up. I refuse to accept that. <laughs> <laughs> what don't you think the sport acro just looks like so painful? Like, can you imagine having someone's entire weight on your calf muscle for like a minute? That would so hurt. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't do it. I was noticing when we were watching that little um, comedy bit, which is hilarious, where. John McCready tries to balance one of the <laughs> the girls. Oh my god, you guys have to watch this because his he's so good at this. Like his his face, I was totally laughing. Um, so he's trying to balance her, and like, and then I was noticing in the picture, their hands are at an angle, so they're not you're not holding your wrist flat when you balance someone. You're holding them at at like a forty five degree angle. And Elizabeth, you were telling me that the the way they practice is this way too. Yeah, they're. A lot of the girls had these, I guess they're made out of wood. It's like a piece of two by four up straight. And then there's like a base to make it be able to stand on the ground. And then there's a square piece of wood that's tilted at an angle, kind of like the girl's hand. Uh, and they have two of them. So I guess it, it emulates being held up. And I guess that's how they practice holding their handstands and their different balance elements. Well, we're going to have to get the bottom of all this next week when we talk to Kristen Allen and Michael Rodriguez, world champions. So you know what? we're going to have to ask them how many times he got kicked in the man area right? doing this. And I want to ask her too, like, how do you get used to going to practice and just straddling some dude's face like over and over and over and getting thrown in the air? <laughs> like when you're all sweaty and like, if they just like, you know, we just come to know each other and you're just well, like, especially since there's such a big age difference between most of the people like Kylie Boynton is 15 and Ryan Ward is 24 or 25. I mean, that must have been awkward at first. Right. And then I wonder, well, maybe it's just really not like that. You actually are just like, it just looks like that, but you're actually like, you just like duck your hips under and it's more like a, like dance kind of, I don't know. We have to get to the bottom of all this. So many questions, so many inappropriate questions we have to ask. So in major NCAA news, 
it was a big surprise for all of us. Alabama head coach Sarah Patterson has retired. And it's kind of surprising given that she has, I don't even remember how many wins and how many seasons, over 30 seasons and I think over 3,000, 30, yeah, 36 seasons and I think over 3,000 wins or something. And it's just kind of crazy. She has retired and it's largely due to her knees. Um, and her physicians told her, hey, you need to stop walking for a little while and get knee replacement. And um, David, her husband, will, will be retiring as well, which means Dana Duckworth will be taking over. Um, Dana competed for Alabama in the late... 80s and she was an NCAA beam champ and she's been helping the team for quite some time now um and what did you guys think of this transition let's start with you actually Elizabeth because you're at Georgia the longtime rival of Alabama so tell me what you think uh well going to the video where Dana Duckworth gave that first interview she was talking about how their situation is completely different, how they're keeping basically the same staff as as they had last year. And what I'm thinking when I'm watching this is that Georgia kept the same staff the years after Suzanne Yachlin retired. They still had Jay. They still had Doug, still had Julie. So nothing changed and it went downhill. So I'm not really sure where she was getting the whole our situation, I mean, I'm sure most of the situation is completely different, but in that aspect, it seems pretty similar to me. So, I mean, I don't know if she'll be able to hold the reins and kind of be a stronger head coach and lead them to more success, uh, as opposed to what Jay Clark did. And he struggled and had to resign. But I mean, I just, I don't, I don't know how it'll pan out. So the balance beam situation wrote a post about the difference between Suzanne and Sarah. And he basically said that there is a difference between the two. Suzanne was very much the cult of Suzanne and the fact that she would, I don't think he said this, but it's implied the fact that she would do almost anything to win. And the whole focus was on winning. Whereas with Sarah, it's much more kind of a, Yes, there's winning, but there is more of focus on the girls and the fact that the girls are ladies and good Southern bells kind of thing. Um, and therefore, he doesn't know that uh, Dana will have as many problems just because the focus wasn't as much on winning for Alabama. What do you think of that, Elizabeth? I mean, from what I've seen from a lot of the girls, they're very open to the change and they love Dana and they love everything that she's about. And I mean, she's been there for forever as well. So they, they know her coaching style. So I do think it's different. I don't think it is the same as when Suzanne left. Suzanne kind of left on top and she was like, yeah, I'm going to leave. And she took pretty much all of her best gymnasts with her because they were graduating. Um, so, I mean, I agree with that. What do you think, Jessica? I know you probably have many opinions, um, but let's say if you were a freshman committed to Alabama, would this change your mind about going there? I think unless I was a student who was 
going to Alabama specifically because they had a major that I could not get a gymnastics scholarship and get that major in the same place. Um, if that were the case, then it probably would change my mind. Um, or if I'd gone on my visit and I loved the program, except I couldn't stand Duckworth, <laughs> then that might change my mind. Um, <laughs> but I really think, you know, it's supposed to be about education, so it shouldn't matter. But the head coach is the program. I mean, the head coach sets the tone. It's so important. And this and this is they're losing two coaches, basically, you know, two head coaches. They're losing the technical coach and the the head cheese. So it's even, I don't know, it's even a bigger deal than I think of exactly like Elizabeth said, than, than what happened at, at Georgia, because they were basically only one person was leaving and they were keeping the technical coach. This is like all new. Also, maybe Dana is like totally the technical coach. I don't know, actually. Um, so that might be a, not that much of a change, but she does a lot of beam and choreography stuff. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else she does, but I know that those were her main focuses. Yeah. But I have to say, like, for me, if I just loved, loved, loved that head coach, and that was the reason I wanted to go there, then I might stay because, you know, I felt like they were going to, that that their legacy was going to be strong and it was going to be the same kind of place. But I don't know. I don't think you're... Where would you go? Where would I go? Yeah. Instead of Alabama? Yeah. I mean, I guess if that was, like, the kind of... uh, I mean, I guess Georgia or Florida, I think, are the the programs that are like that. I feel like LSU is totally different. I feel like LSU is um, more like the California of the South. I don't know why I think that, but I think politically and otherwise, it's totally different from the rest of the South. I don't have any basis for that other than all the HBO shows I watch. So, (laughs) (laughs) what what do you think, Elizabeth, as someone who's lived (laughs) in the South? (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, I'd say Georgia and Alabama are more similar, but Florida is definitely a lot different. If you were signed on to go to Alabama, I don't know if you would pick either of those. But, uh, I mean, it brings up the whole Simone Biles situation where she's choosing between Alabama and UCLA. I'm curious to see if this coaching change affects her decision. And what do you think about the whole um, Georgia, what they talked about in the Suzanne and, um, and uh, you know, the Sarah. SEC, Suzanne and Sarah, yeah, show when, where they cut out all the juicy stuff because they kept threatening to sue each other. So when they talked about how it was the Southern Bells versus the bad girls, I was like, what? thinks that that's like i've never heard i was like did somebody just make that up is that like something suzanne made up just to have like a marketing pitch against alabama and i was like southern bells like people still say that i clearly am completely ignorant about this entire sec situation so is that a real thing do people really talk about that no i mean i could see georgia as the like the hardcore team or whatever, but Alabama, in my opinion, are not the Southern Bells. I would not, that would not come to mind when thinking about Alabama. Is there a school that has the Southern Bells? Uh, I mean, uh, no. Right? <laughs> I, like, I don't think of gymnasts being Southern Bells. I think of Southern Bells as being like prim and proper and not hardcore or anything. And I mean, to be a gymnast, you have to be tough. And I don't, 
I don't associate those two things together. Right. I think of that like bratty chick in the movie. That's like the longest movie ever about the South and the civil war. It's so there's like a rape scene and it made me laugh, which is terrible. But apparently people didn't think it was a rape scene, but it totally is because she likes it in the end. Gone with the wind. That's it. Gone with the wind. That's that's how they define it, right? In uh, that's how what all the reviews say. That's what I think of Southern Bells, like a brat, a total brat. Um, and I See, don't. I, I think of pearls. Who? Which gymnastics team would be more likely to show up in a pearl necklace? And I would say it's it's Alabama. Still, I think that Sarah Patterson crafted the image of them as Southern ladies, and I would say they'd be the most likely to show up in a pearl necklace. Well, we're going to have to compare the photos of what they both teams wore when they went to the White House and decide. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I think going back to this whole, would you leave to go, I don't know, to to go to another program? And I think, I don't know, I'd give it a shot. You know, one of Sarah Patterson's favorite stories about Dana Duckworth is the fact that she failed her first round of tests in every class at Alabama her <laughs> freshman year. How does that and, even happen? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but by the end of the semester, she had all A's. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I feel like Dana might have had a little party girl in her or something at the beginning of her freshman year and she 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 knew what college experience was like or something i don't know but i feel like she, she there's a little something there to her and i feel like there are a lot of similarities between dana and sarah because if you listen to that interview with dana it's very deliberate very every word's very well chosen and um, to use the French expression, she's looking for the mot juste, and she, uh, that's very Sarah. If you've ever been in a press conference with her, she doesn't just kind of say whatever her, on her mind and talk about random things and her female cycle helping her choreograph better. Nothing like that. It's much <laughs> the more like. Of the cycle. The lack, <laughs> the lack of, it. of this, whatever. And. <laughs> Yeah, I think she, you know, she's very much in that same line. And just in general, I've enjoyed look, watching the Alabama girls kind of comment on it. And one of the interesting comments on Twitter was, like the man who hired her, Sarah Patterson, ain't never been nothing but a winner. We'll just ignore all those double negatives. <laughs> and But so ain't not Sarah Patterson ain't never been nothing but a winner. And she did it in heels. And I don't know why I like that. It's just kind of like, yeah, she she accomplished as much as the men in her athletic department. And she was a woman. And take that, world. Because she came up in the South where, you know, things are a little different back then. I'm assuming in the 70s. Yes, I would say her accomplishments are much more noteworthy than any white man in the south really because or anywhere because for her in the 70s to build a program to what it is it's not even comparable to what a man would have to go through like it's in, it's like a hundred times more harder and more incredible that she built what she did but i have to remind you if you wanted to stay at that school and you were going to try it out the sec has that two-year rule where you can't transfer 
And if you do transfer without the head coach letting you out of your transfer, then you have to sit out for two years. Does that change your mind? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, if I'm going to Alabama, I'm probably going there for a reason. You know, it might be the culture. It's probably, it might be the tradition. Um, you know, I don't think that Sarah had the same, like, we're going to win at all costs attitude that Suzanne Yachlin did. Yes, she had the tradition of winning, but I think it was a very different culture. Um, you know, and if I were in Simone Biles's case situation, I would be asking myself, you know, would I want a former ballet dancer as my coach? Because that brings a whole different level to your coaching and what it means for your body. And yeah, I don't know that I as a human being could handle that. An interesting perspective, which brings us to the next segment. We got tons of letters um, and we're going to answer a lot of them. And we got the weirdest voicemail we have ever, ever got. You guys, I could not stop laughing when I listened to this. Oh my God. Um, so one thing I want to let you guys know about our letters, like we really read everything. And seriously, there are some letters I keep thinking about and we have, I haven't responded to yet or none of us has had time to get back to yet. But, um, like there's this guy, I'm talking to you, the guy who's the lawyer in Texas, um, who wrote us, who did the backflip in court. I, <laughs> we think about you all the time. We talk to you and we're chatting we're talking about what you and we're chatting we're like what should we say what should we ask him for how can we use them oh my god so we're thinking about you we're thinking about you all the time and everybody that writes us we're just you know it's not like we have a giant staff here so you know we're doing our best and thank you and we will get back you will hear from us i promise you eventually okay so anyway before we get to internet news and your letters we got to pay some bills. So to remind you guys how you can help us pay our bills here at Gymcastic, you can donate. Yes, just like $5 a month, $1 a month, $1,000 a month, whatever you would like to give is okay with us. We have a little button on the about page, which someone asked me to make it bigger and more prominent. And so I will be doing that. Thank you for the person that asked me to do that. I felt like oh, I should make it really small because, you know, but now it's going to be gigantic. And I'm going to put it right at the top. So the donate button, you can do that. You can review us on iTunes or Stitcher. So you just log in there and say, I love the show. I couldn't live without it or give it five stars or, you know, Pass it on to your friends, all that stuff. And, of course, you can shop through our Amazon link. And you can shop for whatever. You can buy a refrigerator or one sock in there. And a little portion of what you spend comes back to the show without any, any cost to your product. So, or you could buy the Lewis Smith book because we're doing our book club. You could buy the book there and send in your questions for Lewis Smith because he will be here in August. Have you bought your book yet? Elizabeth, are you in the club? Have you read the book? I got the book for Christmas. Awesome! Okay. But I have not had a chance to read it yet. <laughs> now is the time. Now is exactly. the perfect time. In the Gymtronet news, the major, major, major news, of course, is that Gabby has left Chow's once again. She went back for about three or four months, went to camp, looked great. Marta was raving about her. We saw the video from USA Gymnastics, but as we reported last week on the show, we had been hearing that she wasn't at practice for a while and that she had moved on. And unfortunately, that is the case. So Chow said 
that she was there for a trial period and then they were going to reassess and she had to make a decision to train there to go somewhere else and that she well he doesn't say she he says uh, as i talked to her i respect her opinion on her decision Gabby didn't give any details, but she said, I am committed to Rio. I'm not going to let anything get in the way of that. There's a lot of rumors going around about what's happening and what went on with this decision. Um, so my question for you guys is, number one, how do you think this, what do you think this means for Gabby's success this year do you think we will see her at championships or at worlds this year i'm gonna say no i don't think we'll see her at championships this year it's how i mean what it's roughly 10 days away from the u.s secret classic a couple more weeks after that is the png championships I'm guessing that when you're switching a gyms this close, it's not going to pan out for you this year. That's just my guess, though. Um, you know, whether we'll see her next year, that's a different question, but I'm going to say no. What about you, Elizabeth? Yeah, I'd have to agree. And I mean, on the off chance that we do see her, I think she would pull a nasty and just compete one event, watered down routines. But I, I don't see it happening this year. I don't know. I'm thinking one event is one or two is probably the most likely. I think that's what she's mostly working on anyway. In my heart of hearts, because, you know, I like to tell people what to do. I would like for Nastia, Chelsea Memel, and Dominic Mucciano to invite Gabby, Gabby alone, nobody else. Not her agent, not her lawyers, not her mom, not her sister, not her best friend, not any of her coaches. I would just like Nastia to invite all of them to her apartment in Manhattan. And with the glamorous views that she always Instagrams, which I enjoy looking at. And I would like them to just chat. I would like them to just have a moment to ask Gabby, so what's going on? How are you feeling? Nothing leaves this room. And I want them to just share how they became champions and what went wrong and what went right. Because I think there is very clear distinction in their lives about um, what led to their success and what led to uh, their downfall in certain areas. And I think they have a lot of wisdom to give on this. And um, I think they could really help her. And they also, I think, know the right people that could help her. And I just feel like, uh, and they should also hire an arbitrator if that doesn't work. Because, you know, there's people who just, this is what they do for a living. They get paid to go when two parties can't agree on something. They go in and hear both sides and help them come to an agreement. Like, I'm sure USA Gymnastics has one on staff. <laughs> get an arbitrator and just go in there and solve this with Chow. Because Chow is your dream coach. Like, somehow you have to make it happen. Whatever the problem is, someone can solve this for you. Like, just get someone in there that can make it happen. Because it's Chow. You love him. You want to be there. There's got to be a way. There's always a way. <sighs> yeah. I mean, none of us really know what's going on. Like we said, there are many rumors. I just wonder what going on on the business level of Chow's gymnastics. Um, we know that he was great 
for Gabby, helped him, helped, pardon her, get to the Olympics and everything. But we also know that earlier this year, there was a non-compete issue. He makes his coaches sign a non-compete contract at their gym, and he actually took it to court. And, you know, maybe it's just the Des Moines Register, you know, making local news and everything. But... You know, it's kind of the first time I feel like we really heard about gymnastics coaches and their non-compete clauses in their contracts. And so, um, yeah, I don't know what's going on in terms of business at Chow's. I don't see her making any sort of worthwhile comeback without Chow. I just, I can't picture it happening. I, I just don't see her really having the drive or the ability to make that comeback without him. But I mean, prove me wrong. That would be great. (laughs) Plot twist. She goes back to Excalibur. (laughs) 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 Could you imagine? Like, no, (laughs) she buys Excalibur, changes out all the staff. (laughs) Yes. I mean, what other gym would she go to? What do you guys think? I would like her to go to Kelly Hill at this point. Someone who's just like totally neutral. Is she even still coaching Kelly? Yeah, she was in the... Didn't you see her in the background of the videos? You're watching me high too much. Yeah. (laughs) I just felt like she kind of checked out, though, of coaching elite gymnasts. I don't know. I feel like she's not at the peak anymore of her career and is just kind of enjoying life and coasting until retirement. But I don't know. I've never talked to Kelly. I don't know. I don't understand how you could handle the just the schedule in gymnastics of being an elite coach for that many years. I mean, the burnout. I mean, you know, your athlete gets up at 6 a.m. and works out and then has a break and then goes back and works out you know, in the afternoon, the evening, that's your schedule too. And all the travel, ugh, God. But then again, it's not a nine to five, so it might be more life affirming, but I don't know. I cannot do that schedule. Ugh. You know, I need my sleep. <laughs> Who do you think would be able to coach her on bars, right? Because if she's making a comeback, it's definitely going to be very bars focused. And Chao is probably one of the best elite Bars coaches, I mean, yes, there are probably problems, some problems people don't like his technique at all times, but yeah, he's one of the best. Kelly Hill is also one of the best bar coaches in the U.S. of all time, I would say. Um, And, you know, Valeri can't, I don't think, really can take her on anymore because of his position on the junior um, national team. So who do you think would would be a good coach. I mean, it's hard. What about you, Elizabeth? What do, what do you think? I mean, my first thought is someone at WOGA. I mean, they all have good bars. It wasn't all just Valeri could take her in or Nia Dennis's gym. I mean, I, I just don't know. There aren't very many that number one could help her bars. And number two could handle a world-class athlete like that. I think that's one of the big problems as well. I kind of feel like for her bars, like other great Chinese bar workers who, you know, made history recently would be to go to Legacy Elite. I mean, if you can coach, um, 
you know, an adult athlete back to that level, especially on bars. I mean, Anna and Gabby were the main competition for each other on bars for that team. So I think they would be awesome coaches for her on bars. Yeah, and she'd be in Chicago or close, I mean, close to an airport, a major airport, which would be convenient for um, endorsements and stuff because being in Iowa is probably not the easiest place to get flights. If you have to go fly to Portland or wherever for Nike stuff, um, it's probably a lot easier to fly out of Chicago. Well, Gabby, just call us and tell us what's happening. Ciao. Just keep us in the loop. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> Time for mail call. First up from Twitter, G to the N to the G asks, do you think pro gymnasts delay official retirement to milk endorsements or are they just keeping their options open? This is a, a tough one. Um, I think some of them do delay their retirement to kind of keep that option out there. Like, Oh, I might be coming back. I mean, obviously the idea of a comeback is, is something that gets people talking as we see with Gabby. Um, I mean, I don't know if Annalie is pro, but with someone like her, I think she really is because she isn't officially retired. I think she's someone who really is keeping her options open. I could see her coming back at any time if she really wanted to. Um, but I think it really just depends on the person. I think that it does depend on the person. I agree. And so I don't want to say that there are gymnasts who just kind of are milking the options. I think they really do consider coming back because it's a sport that you grew up and it's a huge part of your identity if you started doing it from the time you were four until you were 18, 19, 20. And once you walk away, you're kind of like, who am I? And it's hard to really just walk away officially. That said, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I did feel like Sean Johnson's comeback was very orchestrated and it was, it was, it felt like a giant marketing campaign. I'm not going to say that it was, but to me as an outside observer, it just kind of felt like everything was very timed and it was like, this happened and it was calculated. And then this many months later, her book came out and then, you know, then she announced her retirement and I don't remember the order anymore of events, but it did feel like everything was very precise. It was like marketing automation in real life. It was weird. I think this, on the one hand, I think no one should ever announce their retirement because you should milk it as long as you can because there are not the same kind of opportunities for gymnasts that there are in other sports. So good for you. Just keep working out, look good in a leotard so that you can keep selling whatever it is that you're selling. It is your identity and it's heartbreaking to admit that you're done with something. So to ever assume that someone is keeping, is not announcing their retirement because they're milking an endorsement, it's, you don't know how they're feeling inside. It's just, it's so hard. I mean, some people never ever will say they're retired because you don't want to actually ever admit that, you know, you want to think, well, I could get back in shape. I could, you know, so, um, but on the other hand, uh, I agree 
about um, Sean Johnson's. I don't know, you know, what the intent was, but that definitely felt like that to me, like announcing the day of nationals that she's, you know, retired when it was obviously she was already retired. I don't think that it was an insincere comeback. Like she came, she looked amazing. She went to Pan Am championships. She looked great. Um, but I, I think that that was like, ugh. I didn't really like how that was handled. On the other hand, I can understand it because you have to milk the media when the media is there and is interested and championships is when they're there and interested. So, it, you know, as far as her, I think her agent was brilliant for doing it that way. Um, as a fan, I'm kind of like, Neh. so, yeah. And even on the lowest level, it's weird to say you're retired from something when you're 20 years old. I mean, yes. when I retired from gymnastics when I was 18, I mean, you think of 65 year old men being retired from their jobs, not retiring from a sport when you're 20 years old. Totally. So now it's time for the part of the show where we talk about what mistake did Jessica make last week? So our first correction comes from our friend Emma Bailey in England. And she reminded me that the British gymnastics team was not in wherever I said they were, but they were actually in Barcelona. Thank you, Emma. I will remember that. Correction number one. Correction number two. Ooh, this is good, you guys. There was like a major Twitter debate going on about this today. Everyone wanted to know what was going on with this. So last week we talked about what the age limit was for men. And we looked up the rules and we saw that the rules said 18, but we heard that they had changed after London. But why was Kenzo allowed to compete when he was 17? And there was a lot of confusion, but we were like, well, the rules say 18. So... A fabulous listener wrote in with this explanation. Nico wrote on our website in the comments section. He said, I wanted to correct you guys on the men's age limits. Senior male gymnasts have to be 18, which is a change since London. Last year, however, they allowed a temporary transition period for 17-year-olds. So guys like Kenzo Shirai, Mr. Quad, were able to compete at Antwerp Worlds. But they have to turn 18 now on the calendar year. So you could be 18 after World Championships. But like if Kenzo was 17 through the rest of the year, he wouldn't have been able to compete. So my question for you guys is, first of all, Nico, thank you so, 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 so much for writing in with this explanation. And my question for you guys is, was, you know, it's not all the time that we see the FIG be like, oh, we're changing the rules, so we'll allow a whole year to get used to these rules. Especially when it comes to the age limit thing, which is, you know, everyone has a freaking different age. So do you think that they made this exception with Mr. Quad in mind? Or it just was a nice thing to do? <laughs> I think that it's just kind of a nice thing to do. You know, you need to give people a one-year grace period when you change the rules, I feel. Although, I mean, when you get a new code, you don't really get a grace period. But I think they were just being nice. Although, I don't know. How do you feel about this discrepancy now for the women? I mean, it used to be even. The women had to be 16 and the men had to be 16. Now it's 16 and 18. What do you guys think of that? Is it sexist? Yeah, I mean, the opposite. wasn't there something with 2007 Worlds where 
they knew for the next year you had to be 16 for the Olympics, but you could be 15 com- to compete at the 2007 Worlds. Yes. Yes. So there's a precedent. I mean, it's, it's kind of similar. I would just like to point out there's a precedent for this happening in the past and a precedent for conspiracy. So anything is possible. Um, but yes, I, of <laughs> course, I think it's sexist because I think that... I, and I have no foundation for this, but I think the the reason for changing these rules is so that there's less abuse of children and whatever abuse, the form that abuse takes, um, and that children shouldn't be professional athletes. And so I think that uh, women are more targeted, which I have no proof for. And it's probably um, that men are even more targeted or boys are even more targeted or victims of this. this they talk about it less. And I'm probably sexist just for saying that, no, it's girls. So I, I don't know. I kind of think that this, it should be the same for both of them. And then it should be 18 for girls too. <gasps> what do you think of that? 18 for girls too. I think some people have been pushing for that for a while. I mean, most people you hear talk about the age limit want it to be lowered, but I mean, there's the other side of the spectrum as well. Right. I mean, it's hard because I'm looking at it through my American eyes where I'm like, if you can drive a car at 16 and be that responsible and hold somebody, I mean, hold your own life in your hands and other people's lives in your hands while you're behind the wheel. Part of me feels like you should be able to compete in the Olympics. I don't know. That said, we also don't let you vote until you're 18. Um, so we don't really let you hold the nation's future in your hands until you're 18. Um, so I don't know. I feel like 16, I feel like 16 is a good age. Um, and I feel like it's still prevents a lot from happening. Um, that said, I feel like, you know, I don't know that raising the age to 18 will suddenly just make sexual abuse or anything disappear because if you're training for the Olympics, you start training when you are 10 and you start viewing your coach not in all cases, but in some cases, right? You can start viewing your coach as a kind of God figure when you're very young. And so that's not just suddenly going to stop if you raise the age to 18. True. Because you still have to start training as a little pup. Hmm. Tell us what you guys think, listeners. Do you think it's, would, what if we raised the women's age to 18 as well? Would that ruin the sport or would it make it awesome because everyone would just stay around for another 10 years? Of course. <laughs> I think it's hard as well because a lot of the time you don't see men who are younger competing at the Olympics. I, I mean, I don't know the actual average ages, but they're definitely older versus the women. Um, and you have to, I mean, you have to be a little bit older, have a little bit more muscle mass. So I think just the demographic and the different, uh, male and female is slightly different as well. The other thing we talked about last week was if Sydney, Sydney all around finals were done all over again, 
right now in 2014 with all of the Olympians in the finals at their current ages, Radakan, Horkina, Elise Ray, then who would win? And I refuse to acknowledge that certain people who I won it said would win weren't actually even in the all-around finals. But a couple of people pointed out to us that they were like, hello, Chusevitna would have won. But was Chusevitna in the finals? I don't think so. I think she qualified like in 37th, I want to say. So I don't think she qualified for finals. Yeah, I don't think she... Yeah, I would have made it in those. And then someone else wrote it in and said, duh, Lisa Mason totally would have won. But I don't think Lisa Mason made it to all-around finals either. Is there anyone else we're missing that we have completely overlooked who's still doing gymnastics today? Besides Chusevitna and Lisa Mason, who are at those at those games? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm looking up Lisa Mason's... Um... Where she qualified. Oh, Lisa Mason qualified in 22nd. Hmm. There you go. Yeah. So Lisa Mason would probably be our current champ. I say we should hold those ceremoniously. For fun. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Now we have the weirdest ever voicemail that I could not stop laughing about. So let me play that for you guys right now. Hi, Jimcastic. I want to know, why is a sheep jump called? Sheep jump? And also, for the longest time, I really thought Princess Catherine of Europa's name is really Princess Catherine. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) And those are the kind of voicemails we get here at Gymcastic. Maybe the Korean news agency was listening to the show and created a voicemail message for us. Maybe it's animated when they replay it back on the Korean news station. So, you guys... Anybody know? <laughs> Anybody yeah. know why a sheep jump is called a sheep jump? Because it hurts your back. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they always told us. <laughs> I mean, because sheep don't bend like that. I no idea. And it's called something totally different in, what was Princess Catherine calling it? She called it a... We will have to research this answer and get back to you. Or perhaps our listeners will supply an answer. Maybe we can collect all the names that it's called and decide on the right one for each skill. Yeah. Like, I, I just think it's kind of interesting, though, that the sheep jump is kind of the reverse of the wolf jump, right? So the wolf jump, you're jumping, you're bending forward. The sheep jump, you're bump, jump, uh, bending backwards. And so there is some kind of logic to it. I just don't necessarily know why those two animals. That was and a stag jump, too. It's an animal. That was a mm-hmm. very PhD yeah. answer. <laughs> wolf and sheep. <laughs> and then we have, like, I we used to call the wolf jump a fish jump. Hmm, a fish jump? Fish jump. I don't know, because it's huh. ugly. <laughs> Did you call the roll where you rolled backwards and kind of arched down and splashed down a fish flop? No. Huh. I know that in cheerleading, the name's much more logical. It's the sea jump in cheerleading, which <laughs> just looks like a sea. Much more logical. I don't know. That totally is. Maybe this has some kind of connection to ballet where things are named after 
French deities. I don't know. I'm making it up. Jim Turnett, please tell us why this is making this, because clearly we do not have an answer. This episode is brought to you by Elite Sports Band. EliteSportsBand.com. We've got your back. Visit EliteSportsBand.com, that's sports with a Z, and save $5 on your next purchase with the code JIMCAST. So, dear listeners, you can always contact us. We love reading your feedback. If you want us to review, discuss, watch something, or if we can solve some important gymnastics crisis for you, call or email us. We are here for you. We'll do our best. Obviously, we can't answer all your questions like, why is it called the sheep jump? We don't know. But somebody, we have a very good network of dedicated gym nerds who always know the questions to all of our questions. So they will answer us. Anyway, so you can contact us at gymcastic at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail by calling us at 415-800-3191 or to call us free from anywhere in the world. Like, you know, let's say korea or let's say you're i don't know um sitting on a bus waiting to go on a date with kenzo shirai you can call us using skype our username is uh gymcastic podcast you can also follow us on twitter we are very chatty and we post pretty much all the news all the time going on in gymnastics so follow us at gymcastic on twitter that is going to do it for us this week. Thank you all for joining us. And Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us. We've enjoyed all of your contributions to the Gymtronet, and we love your voice. So please come back again sometime. Thank you. I loved being here. Yay! So remember to check out our YouTube playlist. And of course, we have transcripts up that you can check out on our website. Until next week, I am Jessica from Masters Gymnastics. I'm Uncle Tim from Uncle Tim Talks Men's Gym. And I'm Elizabeth Grimsley. Find me on Twitter at All Flipped Out. Thanks for listening. See you guys next week. Kenzo Shirai. Oh. We're able to compete. God damn it. <sighs> You're fired. How? Why is Skype always open on this damn computer? Oh my god. Oh my god. You don't even have your updates done. Now I have to do your updates. No, no, no. Don't do the updates. Oh, Jesus Christ. It, it works for I'm me. I'm signing out of freaking... Alright. Let me just write that down on my little timestamp. <laughs> <laughs> Yelling at Coop for ruining my podcast. Only yes. the highest broadcasting standards on Chimcastic. <laughs> <laughs>